Well, good, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Prentice. For those of you that I have never met before, I get the privilege to be a lead pastor here. I just want to say good morning, uh, whether you are watching online uh, or whether you are here with us uh, today. We have some really exciting things happening uh, that Taylor shared. Uh, and really uh, something that's super exciting that you may not know, and, and it's okay if you didn't, because growing up in a church, I never attended like what many would call like a liturgical church that celebrated uh, certain Christian traditional holidays. Uh, but one uh, is called Pentecost, which is today. Uh, and to be honest, I didn't know much about it until the last few years. Uh, and we'll talk about what that means today. And, and I have to warn you that uh, if you've been around the church, maybe this is not a big deal. But if you're new, uh, maybe you're just checking things out, uh, there's going to be a lot of conversation around the Spirit, around the Holy Spirit, which is a big part of Pentecost, which we'll get to. Uh, and so I just want to warn you that it might sound weird or a little strange, but I hope that you can see uh, that instead it's the power uh, and the way that God works in our lives, especially now. Uh, and so we begin a new series today on Pentecost uh, called Be Thou My Vision. This is across all six locations of Bethany. Uh, and this morning we kick it off by, uh, by, by trying to understand what God and really what the Spirit is doing in and through us and really around our lives right now. And, and so often, uh, God is moving and God is working, God is healing, God is transforming, God is doing all these things in our lives right now, right before our eyes, and oftentimes we miss it because of the distractions and the noise and the chaos that we see on the news and just being polarized with others, we, we miss the way that God is working through the Spirit in our lives. And, we, and my hope is that after this morning that we'd be more cognizant of searching and looking and asking, God, what are you doing right now? And so as Tim read, we are in Acts chapter 2. Uh, it's a story of Pentecost. But before we get there, let me pray and we'll get started. God, thank you so much. Then when you went to heaven, you sent the Holy Spirit, the triune God, to come down and to help and to love and to support and serve and, and guide us and comfort us. God, we need that now more than ever. So God, may we see it, may we be convicted by it. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Now, I don't know about you, but at the start of the pandemic, we pick up new habits or not even just habits, new hobbies and, and fun things to do to try to pass the time, uh, especially in this time of quarantine and isolation. Uh, and so one of the things that Marie and I, we decided to do was uh, go on more road trips and camping trips and hiking uh, and, you know, backpacking. And one of the first things we did was we, we took a little mini backpacking trip in the Oregon coast. So we packed up and we knew exactly, <clears throat> excuse me, we knew exactly where we were going uh, because a friend had told us about these sand dunes that you can literally just put your tent out in the ocean in the sand dunes. And we saw pictures, we looked it up online, it looked beautiful. And we're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go there. <clears throat> so we packed our stuff, our tents, our clothes and our water and all those things. And we went to the Oregon coast. And uh, sure enough, right when we 
entered into the, the park and we hiked into the sand dunes. It was beautiful. It was, I would say, Instagram post worthy. Uh, and it was just a wonderful place to be. Uh, and as we unpacked, we put up our tent. Uh, and we looked around at the ocean and the sound, and we couldn't believe our eyes that in the middle of a pandemic that we were able to escape uh, and just be here and see God's creation. So we went out to the ocean, we walked around, and when we came back, we realized it was getting a little windy. And when we went into our tent, uh, we, we noticed that there was so much wind that there was a bunch of sand that went into our tent and just <clears throat> over everything, over our food, over our clothes, over our sleeping bag. And we said, okay, no big deal. We can adapt. We've done this before. And so we clean out the tent. We clean out our stuff. And we actually move it because it was still windy. And so we move it next to a hill uh, so maybe to block the wind. Uh, and so we did that. We put up the flies so no sand uh, can get in. But the wind kept on going. And when we went back into our tent, noticed that we noticed that nothing changed. There was still sand all over our stuff due to the wind. And there was a thought and this feeling of this idea that we could not control the wind. The wind was going to move whether we wanted it to or not. The wind was going to put sand all over our stuff no matter how hard we tried to block it or to push it out or to even move our tent. The wind was going to do what the wind wanted to do. And we all know that the wind is a powerful force. And maybe we don't experience this directly in Seattle, but maybe some of you here, I know that, uh, especially at our church, even before COVID, I remember one time I said, raise your hand if you are not from Seattle uh, and a transplant from somewhere else. And I kid you not, 99% of the people that raised their hand said, I'm not from Seattle. And so maybe you can't resonate this if you are from Seattle, because I am, uh, but yeah, we know that the wind is powerful. In other places of the country and the world, there's tornadoes and, and hurricanes and, and monsoons. And, um, and even here, maybe windstorms and power outages. We know that the wind is a powerful thing. And so it's no wonder that the Bible all throughout the scriptures uh, correlates the Holy Spirit with winds. This was not a new concept. Even in the ancient of days, the wind was seen as something mysterious, something powerful, something that was uncontrollable, unpredictable. And when the spirit wanted to move, there was nothing anybody could do. In fact, the, the Hebrew word for wind, in Hebrew is what the Old Testament is written in, is the word ruach. And then the New Testament takes that word and, and calls the spirit pneuma. But the whole idea of the word ruah is that if you were to say it, and you're welcome to say it, whether now or at home, and, and you say the word ruah, it sounds like a wind. It sounds almost like what Acts chapter 2, what Tim was talking about, this violent gush of wind. If you say ruah, it sounds like this uncontrollable wind that's coming. And so that's why the ancient Hebrew is called wind ruah and the spirit ruah because it was this wind that was uncontrollable. This violent wind is what Acts chapter 2 says. And we know the English grammar, right? If those of you that paid attention to elementary school or maybe you're a teacher, it's this word 
uh, and one of my favorite words, onomatopoeia. It's an onomatopoeia, ruah, onomatopoeia. And today, this idea, when we unpack Pentecost, we are reminded that spirit, it's like a powerful wind. It's moving in our lives right now. The, Sp- the Holy Spirit is moving in your life right now, whether we know it or not, in powerful, in unpredictable, in mysterious ways, the Spirit is healing us. The Spirit is transforming us. The Spirit is becoming our guide. And the warning that we'll get to is this. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. That's the point. Because <clears throat> the Spirit is moving. So let's do this. I want to talk real quick about what the meaning of Pentecost is. Again, if you haven't grown up in a liturgical church, maybe this word Pentecost is, is new to you, but I'll, I'll read this. It, it says on, in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered in one place. When, they, when, they, when Luke, who's a writer of Acts, is writing this, and he says, uh, On the day of Pentecost, <clears throat> those that were gathered were all in one place. He was talking about in chapter 1, where it says the followers of Jesus, the Jewish converts to Christianity, the Jewish Christians, uh, and it specifically it said about 120, about 120 of them were in uh, this upper room. And we don't actually know where this was. Maybe it was the upper room. Maybe it was somewhere around the temple, the temple mount. There was 120 followers of Jesus, new converts to Christianity uh, in Jerusalem. And then it says that they were, they were filled with the Spirit and began to speak languages as the Spirit gave them ability to do. And so it sounds crazy, right? It sounds almost strange. Here's 120 people that became new converts to Christianity, and they're speaking this language that the Spirit empowered them to do. And so there's a couple things I want us to know about the language. And the first is this. First, uh, what we'll recognize is that these people, 120 of them, were speaking a language that another person, maybe not themselves, but another person would understand. And and so I know that in Corinthians and other parts of the the Bible and even other churches, they have what we'd call the gifts of 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 the tongue, of the spirit, and they speak in tongues. This was a little different. This wasn't a a holy or a divine language. This was actually a language that was actually real and and that people can understand. So so number one, it was a real language that people were speaking. And and number two, these languages weren't, they weren't studying it. Okay. I, I, I know that even Maria, my wife, she, you know, she, tries to still learns Spanish or even Korean on Duolingo. And if you've ever taken a Spanish class or a foreign language class at school, we know how difficult and challenging and even frustrating it could be. And we see that the Spirit is so powerful. The Spirit is saying, hey, all 120 of you, I'm going to allow you, and not just allow you, but implant in you a foreign language, especially by the Spirit without you studying it or going over it or even knowing it at all. Now, on the other side of this upper room or the temple, where the people were speaking in these spiritual, in these foreign languages, there was something else going on. It was, uh, well, it was Pentecost. 
uh, Pentecost was happening even before this time. Pentecost was celebrated by the Jews, uh, practicing, and it says even devout Jews. Uh, and in verse 5, it says, Now there was, now in Jerusalem, there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So, so the, the devout Jews from all over the known world gathered in Jerusalem at the same time of where these 120 people were uh, to celebrate Pentecost. In Jewish customs, it's called the Festival of Weeks. And it's this time where, it, well, really, the word Pentecost is, literally means 50th. Okay, so, so to the Jews, the devout Jews, Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. And 50 days after the Passover was this opportunity during the festival of weeks or Pentecost to give thanks for the first harvest, for the first fruits. It was that season where they were growing and they were harvesting and it was an opportunity for them to uh, say, God, thank you for your blessing and provision. That was Pentecost. But these 120 ordinary people, followers of Jesus, uh, had a different understanding of what Pentecost of, or what, what the number 50 represented. 50 was 50 days after Jesus died and rose again from the grave. Because if we think about the calendar, it was the same day uh, that Passover was. And so naturally, 50 days later, there's two different groups celebrating Pentecost for two different reasons. One was to give thanks to the first fruits of the harvest of God, the ancient and de or the devout Jew that came from all over the known world. And then here there was a group of Christians that celebrated Pentecost that was about the Holy Spirit, that was about a promise that was fulfilled. It was a promise when Jesus, back in the Gospels in John, when he, before he died, he goes up and has dinner with his disciples and says, when I leave, don't you be afraid. I will not leave you as orphans. I will send a helper, and the helper, his name is the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 14, it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you that I, what all that I have said to you. So the meaning of Pentecost for these 120 people, and really for us, is a simple message saying that God is with you, that God will never abandon you, that God loves you. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, God is with you. Are you feeling lost? God is with you. Are you feeling angry? God is with you. Are you feeling paralyzed with anxiety, especially in these days? God is with you. Are you raging with resentment? God is with you. Are you stuck in deep sadness? Right now, today, as you're sitting in that seat, and the message of Pentecost is the Spirit, in, uh, the Spirit of God is here and is with you to heal, to transform, to comfort to bring peace. That is the message of Pentecost. It's Jesus' promise saying, I will never leave you coming into fruition because Jesus actually left. He ascended into heaven, but he says, wait a minute, I'm sending the helper to be with you, the Holy Spirit. 
And when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit moves in our lives and really in this world. So we talked about the meaning of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Pentecost. And now let's just unpack real quickly. I don't have time to go through everything, but how the Spirit uh, through Pentecost is moving in your life and mine. And what Luke is saying, at least in three ways, and first it's this, the Holy Spirit restores when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives and we say, Spirit, come, when we say, God, where are you? God comes through the form of the Holy Spirit and restores us. And in, in verse 5 through 8, it says, Luke writes this, Now there, saying, Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under the sun, or under, under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them, and here's the big part, how is, how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Remember, the language that the 120 were, were speaking were the native languages of the people that were gathered for the other Pentecost, uh, the devout Jews from all over the known world. And the, those Jews that were there to celebrate the, the Pentecost to give thanks for the first fruits uh, ran into, essentially saw or ran into or heard uh, the language of the 120 were speaking. And can you imagine the feeling uh, of the devout Jews from all over the world that were there saying, well, wait a minute, I, I think I hear and it says native language, and some other translation says mother language. And they're saying, well, wait a minute, this is crazy. What is going on? I, I think I hear my language. Wait, I, I know what you're saying. And, and these are from all over the nation. And the reality is, and, and I know that this doesn't make for a better sermon, the reality is they probably didn't have to do that because uh, in this time, uh, everybody probably spoke Hebrew or even Aramaic. So easily they could have spoken in Hebrew and Aramaic and they would have understood anyways. But instead, God, through the Holy Spirit, wanted to bring intimacy, wanted to bring connection, wanted to restore the divide between the Jewish Christians and the devout Jews that weren't converted quite yet from all over the nation. You would have to kind of imagine, especially in this political landscape, all the disagreements that happened, all the differences, and all the way from the foods that they eat, the language that they speak, what they believed, what the world views were, what they believed was right, what they believed was wrong, what their view of Jesus was. Everything was different. And, and yet, these 120 started speaking, and, and we'll get to what they were talking about. They were talking about Jesus the healing, reconciling message of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection on the cross speaks it into this language that they can understand. Uh, and not only that they can understand, it was their mother language, and instantly the barriers were broken. There was intimacy. There was connection. And the way that the Holy Spirit moves in our lives right now, don't miss it, is this, that the Spirit wants to restore our lives, our relationships. The Holy Spirit helps us to break down barriers, to cross social and economic divides. There was nothing in the way between the message of God to be translated and to be spoken to the people. 
And I read this story and I ask the question, are there broken relationships in your life, in my life? And not just relationships, but other places in our life that need restoration, that we've fallen, we've, we've, we're hurt, we're angry again, we're sad. There's something going on in our souls that needs to be mended. And the reality is, through the Spirit, the Spirit is moving in you, and, and through that, it wants to heal, to transform. Don't miss it. The Spirit is moving. The job of the Spirit that we see is speaking through these languages to connect people. And to restore and break down barriers. And that's the very thing that God, through the Spirit, wants to do in your life and mine, especially today. I look at our society. I was even having a conversation with a couple other pastors just yesterday at a fundraiser. Uh, and each and every one of them, they had one thing in common around the churches. Different denominations. Some of them even speaking, churches that speak different languages. Churches in different parts of the town were get together, and, and sadly enough, the biggest commonality we have is the absurd amount of division that exists in the church. We may not even have the same theological convictions, we may not believe in everything about the church uh, simultaneously, but the one thing that we agree and the one thing that we notice is how divided the church is. And the Spirit comes down during Pentecost, using language, native language, or again, some other translations say mother language. Can you imagine the bond and the intimacy, the, the attention, the softness, the gentleness that brings, that breaks down barriers and just connects them? That is what the Spirit wants to do in your life and mine. We also see that the Spirit makes all things new. In verse 41 to 42, it says this, So those who welcomed, not everybody, but those who welcomed his message were baptized. Again, this is the message of Jesus. That salvation comes through Christ. That Jesus died and rose again on our behalf, and their behalf, on everyone's behalf. And it says, so though, to those who welcomed his message, who, who heard that message in their native tongue, were baptized. <laughs> and get this, it says, on that day, about th there must have been a lot of people there, because on that day, only some of them heard it and heard it well, and that was about 3,000 people. These 3,000 people, it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now there's something exciting here. These people heard the message, the good news of Jesus in their native language. They got baptized. It became part of this community. And this historically and traditionally has been known as the very first church. And so essentially Pentecost is the birthday of the Christian church. Through the Spirit, God made something new. And what was that that God made? It was the church, a place where people can break bread, to have fellowship, to be with one another, uh, to confide in each other, to love one another, to worship God together, to hear the good news of the gospel again, to be reminded of how God is for us and not against us. The Spirit is doing something new in your life. And I don't know what that is for each and every one of us, but I promise you, the Spirit wants to do something new 
Maybe it's new revelation. Maybe it's new, new job. Maybe it's a new place to live. Maybe it's a new, per, new, new way of treating somebody. Something new. God wants to do something new in your life. And I love this verse in Isaiah chapter 43. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. This is what God is saying. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Essentially it's saying, do you not see it? I am making a way in the wilderness and the streams in the wasteland. Now, what is it that God might be speaking to you right now? Maybe God wants a new adventure for you. Maybe God wants something new, whatever that is, for you today. And I love it what it says in Isaiah 43. It says, do you not see it? And the reality is, no, oftentimes we don't. May today be the day where we see the Spirit move in our lives and and not only restore things that are broken within us, uh, but reveals newness, whatever that is. And lastly, the Holy Spirit uh, not only creates something new, not only restores, but there are times, gosh darn it, that the Spirit removes things in our lives. Now, see, to understand the gravity of Pentecost, we must understand it in the context of Genesis 11, which is the story of the Tower of Babel. And maybe you don't know this story, but let me just read you just a few verses from Genesis 11. It says, now the whole world, this is in the Old Testament, now in the whole world, they had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, so imagine, there's people, they speak the same language, they settle in this place called Shinar. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with the tower that reaches to heaven. So just imagine, there's people, speak the same language, they build a tower Maybe if you've been around the Sunday school, they, there's a ladder or there's blocks. And they're trying to get to heaven together. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we make a name for ourselves. And here's an important part. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. Now, when we read this with a quick, with a quick glance... It almost seems heroic that there's these people that they build this, this structure, this ladder or this tower and say, I want to get to God. Let's get to God. And, and they climb up and they try to do that. And the reason why they want to do that is because they didn't want to be scattered. If they didn't want to be a, a scattered upon the whole earth, it says. They wanted to make a name for just themselves. But what we have to understand about the Tower of Babel is that that is the very opposite of what God wanted from day one, from literally Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. When God created all of humanity, God's word was actually be scattered, be fruitful, multiply. This was a celebration of diversity. This was a celebration of languages. This was a celebration of different peoples, multiculturalism, diversity, racial reconciliation. This was all part of God's plan. And yet, here they were in Genesis 11 going against that and saying, you know what, we want to make a name 
for this homogenous group that speak the same language just for themselves because you know what? We want to stay in this bubble and not go around and do what God intended us to do, which was to multiply and scatter and, and be fruitful and, and be all around creating the diversity of God. They were saying, no, I don't want to do that. And so what Pentecost does, it reverses Babel. It reverses that curse. Because God says, you know what, you're going, to be, you're going to be scattered now. And you're not going to understand each other. This is what happens when you are disobedient and you don't follow the calling and the commandment. What God is saying is to be fruitful, multiply, love one another, be diverse, celebrate the differences. And so Pentecost reverses that and says, I'm going to bring you back together. I'm going to have you understand each other. I'm going to have you celebrate the different languages. I'm going to build intimacy within the differences. I'm going to get rid of the curse of Babel. God wants to undo the very things that are causing us, that are hindering us to be close to not only one another, but to God. And maybe it's just me, but I don't know about you, but even during quarantine where I'm just self-isolated, I've, I don't know about you, but I myself have picked up some bad habits. Maybe you have to. Maybe there's things in your life that you just want to or need to just remove from your life, and maybe you don't need it, but the Spirit wants to convict you today and say there's some things in your life, apprentice, habits, attitudes, things in your personality, the way you treat people, it needs to go. And maybe the Spirit, if we don't pay attention, is saying the same thing to you. There's a story of a, that I've shared before, and I've even showed the video of this um, a couple years ago. This man named Ken, or Kenneth Parker. He was one of the main leaders at one of these rallies, the Unite the Right, Alt-Right rallies that happened in Charlottesville. Uh, and he was a proud member of the KKK. And, and there was even a news story in an interview with him. And he said, at, at one point, he said, Ken Parker, that the KKK wasn't violent enough. And so I left and joined the neo-Nazi group, which was more violent. And, and not only was he part of this neo-Nazi group, but he was considered in the KKK the, the Grand Dragon. I'm not... I don't know what that means, but it sounds pretty important. And, and it wasn't until an African-American pastor moved in next door to him. And, and there's, there was something mysterious that was formed between the two. And I believe it's the spirit that is uncontrollable, unpredictable, powerful, and moves in ways that we can't understand or see. There was something like that wind that was happening between the two. And lo and behold, weeks after weeks after weeks, they built a relationship. And the spirit convicted Mr. Ken Parker that what he was doing, what he was leading, what he was preaching to others was not good. It was evil. It was destructive. It was painful. It was causing chaos. And through this relationship, he changed his ways. He listened and heard the Spirit move and work in his life. And now these two are close friends. They are actually 
uh, co-workers in a church where Ken's ministry is to reach out to KKK and neo-Nazi members and to bring about the message of God's love and diversity. Oftentimes, whether we know it or not, or want it or not, the Spirit wants to prune things in our lives, remove things from us. Maybe it's our attitude of greed. Maybe it is racism. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's destructive habits. Will you pay attention? Will you not miss it? God, through the Spirit, is saying those little things in your life, those little habits, those little attitudes, those words that you speak, I want you to stop. And when we pay attention, and when we, when we are obedient to that, something happens. Our life changes. Our relationships change. Our relationship with God is strengthened. But we have to pay attention. Because the warning again and again is this, don't miss it. I love that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, when the 120 were preaching and proclaiming the gospel in their native language of those that are celebrating Pentecost, there were others that didn't quite buy in. In fact, they said that some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Essentially, they're drunk. They're speaking, and I don't know, I don't know about you, but when I, you know, might have a cocktail or a beer, I don't bust out in foreign language. If that's you, hey, that's wonderful. But for me, that doesn't happen. And so I don't know why they thought they were drunk, but that was the only reason or the only explanation that they had. Well, the reason why these people are speaking this native language isn't because the Spirit, isn't because God is doing something. They must be drunk off of cheap wine, some translations say. Those people missed it. They missed it. The Spirit was working and was present right in front of them. Right in front of them. They heard the same thing that the others heard. They saw the same things. They were in the same place. And while others said uh, they got baptized and they joined, they had fellowship and they broke bread together, the others made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. They've missed it. Don't miss it. Pentecost today is a reminder that God is working in your life right now. God is moving in and through you and around you. Healing, wants to bring healing, wants to restore, wants to bring something new, wants to eliminate things that are unhealthy and toxic in our lives. Now I'll end with this. I'll invite the worship team back up, to come back up as we break bread together. But it's a prayer. It's kind of a well-known prayer of St. Patrick. For those of you that may have heard of him, uh, he has his own holiday in March. He was an actual monk. He wasn't a leprechaun, okay? And so St. Patrick says this. This is his prayer. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Continues with this prayer. It says, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, 
Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eyes that sees me, Christ in the ears that hears me. Know that the spirit of Christ is with you, is near to you. And I think that's good news for many of us. In the season of loneliness, and it doesn't matter what your marital status is, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how many friends you have, it doesn't matter how many followers you have on social media, I think right now, many of us, it's good news and healing and, and therapeutic and not just therapeutic, but holy to know that God is with you and with us doing a work in us and around us. So don't miss it. The message that was life-changing, the message of the day here was about the cross, was about the transforming nature of what Jesus did on that day. So when he went to his disciples, he says, I'm leaving, but don't worry, I'm going to send a helper, the Holy Spirit. But for now, he says this, he says, take this bread. This is my body that was broken for you. And then he says, take this cup, this juice. This is my blood that was shed for you. And so what I want to do this morning is as a community, as a church, and if you're at home, uh, this could be a quick moment for you to grab cracker or bread or whatever you have and juice of any sort. You can do that now. And for those of you that are here, I would love for us to just peel the bottom and take this wafer. And I'm going to pray over the elements and we'll partake together. God, we thank you that you sent your spirit to be with us and who is for us, who transforms us when you left. But you didn't just leave, you sent your spirit to continue to guide us. Then you died on the cross for us. We thank you for the body that was broken for us. We thank you for your blood that was shed for us. And we pray, amen and amen. As a church, let's take this together. And then we'll peel this. And I know you're dying to get to this because of the taste of this wafer. We'll partake with the juice. Christ's body and blood shed and offered to us. Let's continue in worship.